0: and welcome to the Imaginal Podcast, a place that protects and explores what we need to actualize our uniqueness. And like the caterpillar who carries its butterfly blueprint in its imaginal cells all the way to the chrysalis and then melts into liquid before it transforms, we too have an inner knowing that can tell us how to To make our wings. Hello, it's Sauce. And today on the podcast, my guest is Daniel Watson. I'm so excited. He is a writer from the northeast of England. And I originally met Daniel because he is the partner of Alexis, someone whom I hold extremely dear in my life and who I've been very close with for many years um on a side note alexis has helped me in ways beyond what i could ever thank her for on both this podcast and my website basically if there is any cool part of the design element or written copy those parts were probably either written or edited by alexis Or by Joe Casey, whom I also mention. (laughs) They have helped me so much. So, so much. Um, Anyways, Daniel and Alexis are just amazing people. And they are more than a couple decades younger than me. Yet they never make me feel like I'm out of touch or that we can't relate to one another. And we have formed... Such a special friendship, and Daniel today comes on the podcast and he talks about the concept of personal truth. It's something that he has been contemplating and writing about for a while, and he also shares in the most sweetly captivating way memories of his childhood and how that's impacted him as an adult And he brings together both intellect and emotion in a way that literally left me unable to kind of form my sentences at times. And I think you will find that his candor will be an invitation into your own. So here is my conversation with Daniel. Daniel, I'm so glad we're doing this.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me, Sauce. It, it really is an honor. It's a privilege to be here.
0: It's funny because we've been talking about this podcast for maybe God. two years or something. Yeah. I've been sitting on it for a little while.
1: Yeah it's it's been it's been in a nation stage for for quite a while.
0: <laughs> That's a nice way of saying it. <laughs> uh, I've loved the conversations that have led us to this point, though, and you have helped me so much to get this off the ground so oh,
1: stop it sauce like you inviting me here is is just a wonderful thing I'm, I'm so excited to be here
0: so Daniel and I are prone to long talks along with his <laughs> wife. <laughs> his wife whom I adore how would you say we know each other
1: well we met through Alexis um, whom with whom you have had a very close relationship for many many years, um, but you know, just as you two are, we are kindred spirits as well. Um, I, I can remember the first time we met, and just the instantaneous depths we were able to plumb in our conversation emotionally and spiritually was was quite flabbergasting, actually. Um it's it's a very rare thing to be able to do that with someone, but to be able to do it with someone instantaneously is is nothing short of miraculous.
0: Mm, same. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we went right into it so yeah. with so much ease and it touched me. And and we've I mean, we've continued to have conversations around the regular for
1: we've ever we've since.
0: Pl-
1: we've plumbed even further depth.
0: we've 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 scraped
1: the bottom of the mariana trench
0: (laughs) indeed and um we'll see where this takes us today yeah yeah, (laughs)
1: absolutely absolutely
0: daniel is a writer as you probably heard from the intro and he wrote a piece when did you write that short story
1: uh, last year maybe probably around this time last year actually
0: yeah, he knows exactly which piece I'm I'm talking about because it took me, I mean that piece. He wrote um he wrote something that hit a place in me that had probably never been touched to that degree and I didn't really even know how needful it was and um it had to do with seeing my parents pass which was way back in 2002. And I didn't realize how lonely I was in that place. And I also didn't realize just how nuanced the situation was and that someone could put words and images and story to something that I had kept in some corners of myself. Uh, It's not that I didn't want to talk about it, it's that I didn't know how. And um, I read his piece And I mean, Daniel, I called you sobbing. I don't even know that I was getting any words out. It was a hard, long cry and a good one. It wasn't, it was, it was the most welcome camaraderie I could have ever imagined. And that is the kind of writer and person that you are. And, (laughs) um, In these discussions over time that we've had together and also in me sharing with Daniel and Alexis what imaginal cells are and how they impacted me and why I wanted to do this podcast, there have been many things that Daniel's brought that have informed this podcast. And one particular thing in one thing in particular one subject
1: either either works either works
0: particularly there was something (laughs) um that he has been writing about and thinking about pondering and sharing bits with me that I thought would be so perfect to put at the very cornerstone of this whole endeavor and so I asked him to come on Uh, do you want to share about that just to start and
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, as you well know, Source, it's something that has been very much informed by our conversations and also the long conversations that I have with Alexis. Um, And basically, I've been, you know, pondering the idea of, of what truth is, the different forms it can take, and also the kind of delusions that are inherent within the whole concept of truth. Um and so what I was kind of thinking that we might discuss today I, again as you well know is how many of our personal truths are actually true. So how basically um how many of the things that we consider ourselves to be the characteristics that we believe are inherent within us how many of those are actually there within us and are inherently a part of who we are.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm nodding at the depth of this. Um, what would be a good way to explain or, or try to start to talk about what personal truths entail?
1: So, I mean, I think, I think that maybe um, I'll, I'll begin by discussing kind of how I got to it conceptually. Mm, um, perfect. So, you know, I've, I've been doing some psychology classes with Alexis and, um, you know, one quite amazing thing or one thing that, that was very thought-provoking for me was to learn about the kind of different orders of reality. So now there is the, there is the first order of reality in which things just happen. You know, things happen and, and they are unalterable truths. An acorn falls off an oak tree. That oak tree has one less acorn and the ground below it has one more. You know, that, that cannot be argued. That is an unalterable fact. It is just in existence. Um, mm. And then the second order of reality is, is the reality that we perceive. So it is, it is, it goes, the acorn falling from the tree goes through our human senses, our our eyes, our ears, whatever else is affected by it. And then we perceive a truth. So an acorn might fall from the tree. And I don't think that tree has one fewer acorns. I don't think that the ground has one more acorn. I think that... A squirrel has one more acorn for dinner, regardless of mm-hmm. whether a squirrel ever finds that acorn. That is the truth that I leave the situation with, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so those orders of reality—you know—the the kind of fact that the empirical reality, if you will, the first order where where things just happen and just exist can be really very different um, from the perceived reality then also got me thinking about well then if we relate reality to truth which they are you know distant cousins of one another distant synonyms for one another um, then we have the first order of truth in which in the example I just used the ground has one more acorn we have the second order of truth. I think that a squirrel has uh, one more acorn for dinner that has been uh, molded by my perception. And then also perhaps we have the third order of truth because I could go in to, to tell my wife about this lucky squirrel that has another acorn mm-hmm. for dinner. And she can be like, she, she might think, oh, he's adorable. Or he's an idiot, whichever, whichever one. <laughs> um, and then, mm-hmm. so the truth, the third order of truth, then is is the second order, but filtered through another kind of sensory group from another person. Um, and so, then we have this kind of polycotomy, you know, because mm-hmm. the the first order truth is one. The second order truth is another, and then the third order. There are as many um, potential kind of realities in the third order as there are human beings on the planet. You know, because <laughs> they are they are all perceiving and um, and taking away their own truths from certain situations. So then when you relate that also to the self you know you have the first order self in which you you do something and that thing is done there is no way of arguing against that fact then you have the second order of self which is is what you believe the truth of that situation to be and then the third order of self in which which is what other people perceive to be the truth of your action. Um, maybe I haven't explained that completely concisely. I um, it's kind of a a complex concept that I'm still trying to get my head and my tongue around. Um, but that that's that's essentially the bones of it.
0: Mm, right. I'm <laughs> I, I'm no, 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 no. That that sounded I, that sigh was or whatever that was of that sound that I just made yes. um, is just in reflection of all the different images and situations and things that crossed my mind or my, things that landed on my heart at a, as I was listening to you because I can see how many times either I am perceiving something in the way that only I can, or I am being perceived in a way that only that other person can. And that only has to do with me, regardless of the situation. And then the situation brings so many variables. And so there are so many places that that can happen. Um, what about this keeps you so attuned to it? Um, how do you think it impacts you or that I'm um, now I'm asking you so many questions all at once, but how would it impact people?
1: Well, I mean, so it's, it's, I can, I can speak, I guess, directly of, of how it's impacted me in that I have maybe, I'm certainly trying to be more aware of how I behave and how that behavior can be perceived. And also what colors that behavior, what um, leads me to um, act in certain ways, but also to perceive in certain ways. Because your perception in one mood can be very different to your perception in another. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're happy, the truth that you take away from a certain situation can be very, very different to the truth that you take away from it if you are annoyed or frustrated or anxious. And so this kind of idea that, that... truth which is something that we're, we're brought up to believe is is so solid and so tangible and and just exists in one form um is actually very fluid um and is is a really kind of uh, a delicate but dexterous um concept and you know one thing that, that i've been trying to do is to go into my into my past, which as you know source, I've kind of avoided um in, in my in my life, I, I've avoided revisiting things that, that might have affected me in certain ways. Um and just try to to live kind of a life oblivious to that. Um but I've been trying to go back and see how these events that that have affected who I am have also colored the truths that I believed about myself, and the truths that I kind of perceive of others, and it's it's been quite jarring at times, to be honest. Source, as you know, because truth and and personal truth is is something that we all consider to be so so important, and it, it and it is a really important part of. Of who we are and of how we conduct ourselves and to kind of discover that some of those truths that we've held um about ourselves for for decades are not actually necessarily so acutely true um and it's it's been it it's been very important for me to um to kind of come to a greater understanding of of those things, you know, um, that I might not be as kind of a person uh, as I might like to think. And I realise that because I have ignored, I have historically ignored my propensity to meanness, which exists. And I, I have to accept that. It, it is there. I can be vindictive. I can be mean. I can be cruel. It, it's a part of who I am. But I, I never considered that because it was an ugly truth. And I, I didn't want that to be part of me, so I didn't accept it. Um, or, or how I can be very, very sensitive. How, how very tiny things can, can alter my mood, often negatively. Um, sometimes positively absolutely but often they can throw me into into a bleaker place or a darker place or a more angry place and these occurrences don't necessarily need to do that they're they're not something that, that i need to take so so um so sensitively um and so it's it's been It's been a real ride, actually, Source. It's been really, really interesting, but also quite um, disorientating at at times as well.
0: I relate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: it is quite a relatable thing, I think.
0: Mm -hmm. In these human forms, these incarnations that we are in the lives that we've lived and the hurts that we've incurred and the ways that we hurt others. I think it's part of the human condition. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, the human condition, that's exactly the right way to put it. I think.
0: Not to be glib. I feel like all of these are not that you were being glib, but I mean, I'm, I'm trying, I don't want to put anything trite on what you're, what you said. Uh, I really appreciate your sharing And I think that everybody can relate when they think of the arguments that might happen in a relationship or a partnership or amongst family members or friends or even strangers. You know, there's something, especially if there's an overreaction or something, there's there are something at the crux of it that is often held by a past wound or if if you were, I'm not a an expert in Jungian psychology, I'm not a psychologist, but the idea of the complex, it's this these parts of us that split off. And don't quote me on this, because again, I'm, <laughs> I'm just, you know. but there's these parts of us that split off um, due to trauma or something, and, and we become reactionary. And those parts will react without us even having a chance to realize they're there until we can start to separate ourselves from it. And I think we also can be people who rationalize things so that we d- we don't have to necessarily take ownership. And then that's something that has been a work in process for me as well, mm. for
1: yeah, ever. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs>
0: absolutely. So what I find interesting, oh, that was Shadow. That was huh? Shadow, yeah. <laughs> Just, um, Shadow's their really gorgeous dog. So a part of me would love to explore some of the stories. When you said that you tend to avoid your past, that's understandable because sometimes when a past carries a lot of deep pain, it's really difficult to move into that or stay in that territory. And interestingly, that often holds some of the keys, right? To unlock some of the things that are going on with us now and give us go on you say
1: no I was just going to say absolutely I was just going to say those are those are the moments that we need to look at um the, with the most clarity um, and the most honesty and the most um mm-hmm. truthfulness uh, those because those are the moments that define us those are the periods of of our lives that that create the difficulties that that we go on to live with
0: um thinking about and sharing some of our more tender stories too Mm -hmm. and so what what we might if you if you're interested what we might do is touch back into some of these childhood examples and and then circle back as to how they affect the order of truths how would that be
1: absolutely no no uh, please please as you know it's um what we share between each other is, is, um, almost public domain. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So for my personal, um, biggest trauma was that that I was born with, um, 20% hearing in one ear and no hearing in the other. Um, and I wasn't able to have the surgery until I was like two, two and a half years old, um, which gave me my hearing back. Um, and so I, I really didn't develop the, the necessary skills upon which we build our, our ability to speak. You know, we, we, learn, we learn to mimic sounds as an infant and, and uh, then we use those sounds to communicate. Um, I never had that, so I had uh, an incredible speech impediment, like the most debilitating stutter. I couldn't get a sentence out without falling over the vast majority of the words. And I also mispronounced certain sounds like S-H or J or like a soft G. Um, I mispronounced those, and obviously they are fairly ubiquitous within the English uh, spoken language, those sounds. And so... I was like, I I was bullied a little bit at school because kids are kids and I was different. Um, But the, I think the biggest trauma came um, with regards to, you know, trying to speak to people and just that, that well of, of shame that instantly erupted and washed over me whenever, whenever I spoke to someone, be it, you know, my mother, my best friend. Um and I had this this just immense fear of of social situations, of someone coming up and, and asking me a question because I, I knew that I couldn't deal with it. I just I couldn't respond the way the the other human beings my age younger and older could um and so the, the one thing one thing that lingers with me and the the um i i can still feel even now just thinking about it is is that everyone everyone looked at me with pity you know i i was i was a pitiable young young boy it's not their fault but to be constantly looked at with pity ingrains within you that you are a pitiable figure, rightly or wrongly. It it makes you feel like you are not worth what other people are worth. And you know, as a child, you, you don't have the the cognitive reasoning to be able to break that down and to be able to to break down the concepts of of value of, of um you know depth of spirit or soul or, or, or whatever other layers there are to a person beyond that kind of surface layer that that is put out into the world and and colors other people's perceptions of you you're not able to look at that you you don't know about those other things so your entire world then becomes the second order of self being concerned with the third order of self and you get stuck you get stuck living in this in this reality whereby everything everything is about perception and the importance of how other people perceive you is infinite. It is everything. Mm. And so, you know, I I've kind of when when I when I um learned how to speak properly, um it was actually my speech therapist told my parents that I should get a dog and uh and Mm. they got me a, a little black labrador puppy when I was 10 years old. And I can remember walking around I used to drape him around my shoulders when he was a puppy and I can remember walking around and constantly saying to him I love you Sam I love you because you don't judge me and but having that freedom that that space where whereby I could I could escape that that second order of reality considering the third order where, where that just it didn't exist anymore because this little puppy just loved me he loved playing with me he loved being with me and I could forget about that and so I had this freedom to just to just speak to just mm-hmm. to just talk and and it, it it was that was all I needed it, it turned out I, I think um but then you know this kind of obsession with the third order of self has has really colored the rest of my life you know this this almost um obsession to be liked to be admired i think is is the word i'm looking for because admiration was something i never had as a little boy and you know or that i never perceived that i was given other people might have admired my my strength or my you know bravery or or whatever it was but i never saw it i never saw that i just saw the kind of pitying stares that they that they shot me you know um and so obviously once i was able to to speak i i kind of left that that, that young scared boy behind. But as you know, that young scared boy will come back to the surface whenever there's a situation in which I feel ashamed or I feel scared or I feel um, anxious. Uh, and I go back to that little boy because he is the one that that holds those sensations he's the one that's most familiar with those sensations so so he comes out then um and i i never gave him the the respect that he deserves i never gave him the the space that he needs to to understand that he's okay to learn that he was always okay it, it, it wasn't it wasn't him as a person it was just, he just struggled with that barrier between the internal and the external. He that, That's what it was. It, it was the filter was broken. And, that, and that's all that was broken. And like, I never gave him the space or the time to come to terms with that, to learn that. And so whenever I go into a situation in which I am scared or anxious or, or ashamed, as, as I mentioned, I I go into this very defensive place. I go into this very insular, sensitive, um, almost manic space where I perceive slights where there aren't any or I perceive... Um, pity where there isn't any given, um, and and that really, obviously, obviously that then colours how I react to certain things, um, and it's only recently that I've kind of understood this, um, and so I am very much not the finished article. I'm very much not um, not fully adept at working with these with these emotional parameters but at least now i'm aware and i guess that's kind of half the battle sometimes um so yeah that's that that's kind of like the my most traumatic space i suppose is is how i how i would describe that
0: I I know you know that I know much of this story, but I also didn't know everything mm-hmm. that you shared. And I'm, I'm almost hesitant to put words in this space because that was so beautiful what you shared. I have this image of you carrying Sam yeah. on your shoulders. And it strikes me that when you said that's all I needed was to be this consumed with love and acceptance mm-hmm. and then you could speak. I feel like that is so emblematic of what we are all hoping for. And it's it's when we're, when our perception is that we're not being loved or accepted, right? No. That I don't know. Can Can you tap into what that was like even more. So like, how old were you when you had Sam? So I think you mentioned yeah,
1: 10, 10 years old when, when I first got him. Um, and so from the ages of, you know, two and a half when I had the surgery to 10, um, I just, I had this really, uh, debilitating problem. I had this issue that I just, I just couldn't, um, solve by myself. Uh and it was it, I mean, as you can imagine, it's 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 difficult to be perceived as different at uh, any point in time. And it takes a lot of strength to be able to live with being different. And it's a strength that um I, I doubt many children possess and a lot of adults um don't possess either. Um, and it was, it was just, it was constant is how I would describe it. That kind of anxiety, that fear, it never, ever left. I was always in that kind of place of a fight or fright. I used to cry constantly. The smallest things would, would, um, would start it, and I would just start bawling. It could be somebody, somebody asking me a, a really kind of banal um, question, "How are you?" and not being able to answer that would bring up all of these emotions, all of this stress, all of this anxiety, and then there'd just be an eruption. Um, and you know, it's 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 really funny actually that you know recently. When I get particularly angry or particularly anxious or particularly scared, that same kind of welling of very, very similar emotions comes up. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, and again, because I'd spent so long kind of ignoring that part of my past, I never put the two and the two together to get four. I never, I never saw. Mm-hmm. That it's exactly the same phenomenon, exactly the same feeling, coming from exactly the same place. Uh, and I never I never gave that young boy credit for surviving that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know that I, I know that other traumas run much deeper and, and can be much more profound. And and I feel so privileged to have suffered only what i have suffered and i say only with a caveat that any suffering is is profound and difficult for particularly for a child um but as everybody listening and you yourself are aware other traumas can can be much more kind of lasting um than than mine was a uh, much more debilitating than mine was i should say um but that boy was never was never celebrated, and and that's something that that I've tried to do. Actually, over the last couple of weeks since we last had our conversation, um, I, I've tried to give that boy space as much as possible, and um, you know, to put my arm around him and tell him that he did well. You know, uh, he was brave and he was strong. And he, he did it. He, he did it all. He got through it, man. And, um, that's been a really important thing for me personally. Um, and it's helped me be a lot more accepting of who I am, I suppose. Um, and to understand who I am and what has kind of colored who I am, um, much more intimately and much more profoundly, and yeah, that's been a really, really important thing for me.
0: Mm, Daniel, would you would you be open to sharing just a summary of a quick summary of what that conversation you referenced?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it kind of the first one actually happened when you and I were were having a chat, um, and it was. You know he came out because he was scared he was scared that that he'd done something wrong that he was gonna be alone again not accepted again isolated again and i told him that there's nothing there's nothing that he will ever be able to do to make it so that he's alone because no matter what happens, no matter what happens, I will always be there for him. I will be there to hold his hand, to, you know, I, I think I said to you that what what kind of really um, uh, something that really hit me was that I never had anyone, you know, put the hand in my hair, ruffle it and be like, you'll be okay. Like, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. You'll be just fine honestly it's not a big deal you'll be great and so i want to do that for him i want to be that influence i want to be the the guy that lets him know that he's fine (laughs) there really is nothing at all wrong with him he's got just that damaged filter that we referenced before that's it that's nothing like you you are a brave strong Fun, funny little boy, like you're doing great, don't worry about it um and so that conversation and it's it's really it was a remarkable experience actually source and I thank you so much for it because I felt I could feel where he was hidden, it was just below my diaphragm in the very like core of my body, he was right there. And I felt him like coming out. I, I felt him, you know, sneaking his head around the curtain to listen. And it was it was remarkable because I, I really felt like I was having a discussion with him. That I was able to talk directly to him. And you know, there's there's been once or twice since then that I've actually been at well one time definitely and another time that I I think so that I was able to have another conversation with him and just resume that dialogue between the present and the past self um and I think that you know obviously there's a long way to go in kind of reconciling um my past with my present and um kind of understanding how who I was has shaped who I am and how that kind of um, makes certain situations more delicate than others for me personally and make me react more in certain more negatively in certain situations than in others um but the journey's begun and I feel for the first time in my life I feel quite confident about it I feel quite confident that not only can i accept these things about me but i can also heal them if you know what i mean and that mm-hmm. i can i can begin to negate the negatives um for one of a less pompous term um, but you know it's um it's been it's been quite remarkable beginning to the journey
0: it was for sure it was for sure one of the most profoundly beautiful moments i've ever you know
1: yeah well that you opened the door source you you showed me the door you put my hand on the door handle and uh, and you gave me that space I'll, i'll be i'll be eternally grateful for that as for a million other things that you've done for me, but, um, you yeah, know, it, it was a, re- a remarkable, a genuinely remarkable, um, experience. Mm,
0: thank you so much for sharing that. Oh gosh. I feel so <laughs> much. Um, what would you, oh, I, I it's so hard for me to return to the the questions when I just want to. I, I, fortunately, we're going to see each other very soon. Yeah, exactly.
1: exactly. <laughs> I just
0: it, this is one of those moments you just almost. It's it's hard to go to business. I just not business, but you know yeah, yeah, yeah. And This is such a beautiful. It was such a beautiful moment, and it's such a really touching thing to hear. Going just to look, I can't even, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but thank you for sharing. I, I feel like this will be so touching for people and so helpful because a lot of times we are so intolerant of our past selves and we, we become the predatorial voices. We start repeating whatever the bully said or whatever whatever situations put us into shame. And I know not one person who hasn't felt these darker areas or these shameful areas that they feel like they have to hide or that they want to be liked. Even as adults, we bring that into our adulthood and it informs our behavior. And the more we start to go back to these places, right, and bring a self of healing and a relationship, like you were yeah. saying, yeah then that's changes things that what would you give as do you have words of encouragement for people because i'm sure this is relatable yeah
1: i mean you know kind of going back to the to the kind of liberating point of of everything being true um about you is that in your weakness there is strength In your pain, there is joy. In your suffering, there is ease. Like, I I do believe that everyone has this kind of well of strength within them. Sometimes it gets kind of hidden under layers of anxiety or or self-loathing or... You know whatever it might be, but I've seen with my own eyes, and I've also experienced amazing things and wonderful things that are just like beautiful examples of of just human profundity and and kindness and and strength. You know, you're like you are an example of that source. Like I, I admire your strength and your, and your, um, you know, your generosity of spirit and your kindness just more than I could ever put into words. Um, and you know, my wife, Alexis is just this beacon of strength, this, this mm-hmm. absolute monument to the kind of the, the strength of, of the human spirit as well. And, So, yeah, what what I would say to people is is don't let your, your inner voice be the only voice that you hear, or don't let your inner voice be entirely negative. Every time you think something negative about yourself, try and think of the positive spin of that same thing. You know, like... For example, take me, for example, when I would think that I was, you know, an idiot for not being able to say a simple sentence. Look back at that exact same moment and say, you know what, kid, you were really strong for knowing that you weren't able to say that sentence, but trying anyway. Mm. You know, that's amazing. Mm. That is such bravery and such strength, and you need to be, that needs to be acknowledged, you know? So try and find the goodness, try and find the strength, try and find the, the positive and the negative because it is always there, and it's often more profound because it's hidden in the negative. It's often more important because it's swaddled in this kind of seemingly impenetrable barrier of, of difficulty. Um, and if you're able to kind of bore through to it, then you'll find just the most beautiful things and you'll discover the most amazing things about yourself. Uh, and, and I think that, that everyone can do that. I mean, again, I'm not, I don't want to say that everyone should be able to do that, or it's easy for everyone to do that because everyone's suffering is is unique and personal and and is is colored by their reaction to their traumas and but it does exist it is there it is there
0: mm-hmm. I without any words once again <laughs> Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. I have this image of when you were sharing about the little boy that was peering around the corner looking and for you to meet him there and tossle his hair and give him this love and this truth, really, it's the truth that he didn't know. Right.
1: Yeah. 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 No, that's a, that's exactly it. Um, the, that he, that he didn't allow himself to know. I think, I think that's it. It's, it's a truth mm. that, that he hid from, like he hid from everything else. Um, because as we all know, when you're in a, in a negative space, it, it's, it's almost comforting to not think of the positive, you know, that there's almost like a, like this negative feedback loop that it's, there is some kind of almost masochistic satisfaction in finding yourself in, um, you know, like nothing's okay and nothing can be okay. Uh, And I think that I am, I, have been and am still often very guilty of of wallowing in that space um but to kind of yeah to to meet the little boy and and to to tell him that he wasn't alone to tell him that I that I knew what his suffering was as well I think that was a big thing that our suffering is so personal to us you know, nobody can know, someone can go through the exact same trauma as I went through the exact same, the exact same situations and their suffering would be different to mine. Um, and so to be able to tell him that I knew that I, that I, I know what he went through, like exactly, I know exactly what he felt. And Mm -hmm. I know like, intimately every detail that he isn't alone in that suffering Mm. i think that was very important for him to hear as well
0: Mm. oh that's so intimate you are the one who knows
1: exactly
0: everything
1: exactly
0: oh i love also that you brought up the the difficulty and and the the wall the wallowing or i don't know were your words like sort of yeah a a satisfied Be- because that that also is so relatable and so deeply understandable. I think oftentimes maybe the younger boy for you and for me, you know, the young girl, when we hide away or when we exhibit certain emotions or or wallow, as you say, oftentimes it's a protection of something meaningful. Yeah. Right. And so there is this resistance to sometimes want to just think positive because the jump to the positive might either invalidate what happened or dismiss what happened. Yeah. And so when you go in there with this kind of intimacy and this kind of acknowledgement and witnessing what's happening in the present as well as what happened every one of those moments in those, all of those days, that is a different kind of meeting.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think the the word you use that immediately jumped out to me was, was validation, you know, um, that's something that we, we all just spent so much of our lives mm-hmm. looking for, um, and, and particularly the kind of we we need and want our, our kind of scarier or more incongruous or more difficult to deal with emotions to be validated.
0: Daniel, I might just bring back one last thing before we wrap up here, and that is this beautiful relationship that you have described between your adult self and your younger self. The other component I might just add in is this idea of what Sam, your dog, brought to you (laughs) and how, even though we do this imperfectly, I think around the right people, we also can try to help afford that for one another you know because we we want to be loved i mean that's sometimes why we do silly things silly or or worse
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah
0: um but when we are in this family or community or circle of people where we do feel this freedom because we are so loved and so accepted that we're not feeling that kind of fight or flight or that kind of shame mm. or just where we can be that real to share. Like one thing I really love about our conversations is that no matter what's on the agenda, if something more important rises up to the top, that's where we're going, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Totally.
0: I feel like it's such, it's almost a a, a good feedback loop in a, in a way because What if if I was to speak for myself? Those times of insecurity, or the times I need validation, or that I feel I'm overreacting, or whatever. And there's a a young part of me that is feeling misunderstood, or is being reminded of times of bullying. And by the way, I think so many people can relate to this idea of bullying or being on the outside. And so this will probably absolutely you know something that everyone can relate to. And this this. This person, adult or child, this person, I am looking for love. That is why, I. The bottom line of what really means anything to me in this world is, I want. I, I just, I want to be able to love people. I would love to be loved back, and, and so, in my healthy or non healthy ways, in pursuit of that, can come from whatever version of truth or whatever age self is showing up at the time. And as you were saying, when the adult self is able to come compassionately and curiously to the younger self and show them that they, they have been seen and heard and witnessed for all of the amazing ways that they navigated their own childhood and all the different things that you mentioned, this there is this love of self that develops, this love of self that we can for we can tarnish along the way because if we weren't loved, now I'm getting all over the place, but if we weren't loved as children or didn't perceive love or we were, you know, in situations that were hurtful, which all all kids are, I would say, uh, yeah. then we can take on those voices, as we mentioned, and and perpetuate that predatorial narrative and then then i'm looking harder for love because i'm not feeling loved right
1: <laughs>
0: and so once we get to this place that you're speaking of where you can within your own self get to a better place of truth this truth of value no matter what this beautiful person that was born into this world right and there's that restoration then this Person, this adult me is then able to love more healthfully, and not trigger other people so much, or not invade them, or not um, do something that is hurtful. Or as, I'm not saying I don't do things that are hurtful, but you know this this is a better way of of loving, right? And then in these Absolutely. loving relationships that we're now establishing in a more healthier way, then I am also freer then to expose these vulnerabilities and you know it's such a good loop that builds on itself
1: you you're so right source it's um i think that you know so much of life so much of our emotional health is is all about momentum
0: Mm.
1: isn't it it's about momentum in one direction or another and uh it's about you know not stifling the positive momentum and doing your best to stifle the negative i suppose um but yeah, no, what what you say is is exactly true. Opening these these doors means that and or the more regularly you open these doors within yourself means you will access them again and again and again more easily every time. Um and the more easily you can access these doors it means the more easily you can give what's behind them to other people that need it. To, to other people that, that want to see it, whether they need it or not, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, it builds it builds just depths of relationships that, that can't really be found otherwise, you know um, And I, I think that yeah the, the point you made is, is exactly right. About having these positive feedback loops, these these kind of almost self-powering um, positive emotional kind of spaces um, periods where everything feeds into the kind of the furnace that powers it all. Um, yeah, it's it, it's very important that that when. We find those spaces, I think anyway, that when we find those spaces that we we are aware that we are in those spaces and therefore provide the furnace with enough fuel to keep it going, you know, to, to keep up the momentum, to to keep the, the positive direction.
0: Yeah, those moments. I mean, when you were speaking of the beauty of the human spirit, I think that is... That is what I feel when I am with you and Alexis, and that is what I always see in you. I just cannot even begin to thank you, Daniel. You are, well, obviously, you know, I adore you, and I learn so much from you all the time. I love every second that we get to spend together, and I cannot thank you enough for being on the podcast and for sharing so much, so many truths so many enlightened um i know we only skim the surface of your work but thank you for what yeah. you share today so touching so if people wanted to connect with you where could they find you
1: uh email me email me is probably the best at daniel d-a-n-i-e-l dot burns B-U-R-N-S dot Watson, W-A-T-S-O-N at iCloud.com. Thank you. Probably the best. You're so welcome, Saul. Thank you for having me. I, I, I almost feel like I, uh, I blacked out for a while then. You, you'll have to tell me what we talked <laughs> about uh, later on when we go for dinner.
0: <laughs> That's what I love about these conversations that are so natural, whatever is inside of you just naturally comes out and it wouldn't have mattered what we talked about. Anything inside of that beautiful spirit of yours would be worth, worth it all. So
1: I had loads of fun. sauce. thank you so much. It, It was, it was wonderful. It was, it was really good.
0: So thank you so much for listening today. We, love spending this time with you as always and please find me if you'd like to connect on instagram at lorisase or my website is a great place to find me lorisase.com i'd love for you to sign up for the newsletter so that we could keep in touch and until next time we hope you have a great week thank you again daniel
1: so welcome sauce
0: bye everyone
1: bye everyone